This is an FOU Studios podcast. Hey, podcast subscribers. I want to thank you for listening to the Chris Hahn Show podcast. Uh, Tonight's show was a wild one. I had some interesting callers in the first block. And of course, I had an interview with my good friend, Amy Holmes. You guys know Amy. She's been on the show uh, a bunch of times. She's a good conservative guest. We mostly agreed about uh, about the emergency action the president took. Uh, of course, Amy had to get her jab in at Adam Schiff uh, when we started talking about the Mueller investigation. But look, uh, we spent some time talking about uh, Jesse Smallworth. I think he's the guy from uh, Empire who uh, is now being accused of faking an assault. As a guy who's been on TV for 10 years, I know how rare it is to be recognized. And as a guy who goes on TV shows where most people don't agree with me, I really uh, don't get recognized that much. But, but the thing is, the people who do recognize me are nice to me. They're pleasant, even though they disagree with me. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't crazy people out there that might try to hurt somebody, but yeah, this is kind of suspicious. So Amy and I talk about that for a brief bit. It's not the crux of the show, but it really the show is about the wall tonight and about the emergency declaration and about a president who seems to want to insist on doing what he wants to do, regardless of what the Constitution says. So here's the show. Hope you enjoy it. The Chris Hahn Show. America and welcome. This is the Chris Hahn Show. I'm your host, Chris Hahn. The truth is on the air. And truthfully, tonight, America, I am live and I am taking your calls on a snowy Wednesday night at 631 451 1039. If you want to be part of the national conversation, pick up the phone and give me a call 631 451 1039. Uh, lots to talk about tonight, lots going on, but let me start with uh, the train wreck of a president making an end run around Congress, as he said he would do for weeks, instituting a national emergency to move funding around that Congress specifically told him that he could not have. Now, I know a lot of you out there who support Donald Trump have always called for a strict construction of the United States Constitution. You want judges that read the Constitution, not write the Constitution, is what you used to say. Activist judges. America, there is no other way to look at what the president did on Friday other than an end run around Congress in a clear power grab in violation of the United States Constitution. And I don't care what circuit the president is sued in. I know he, he did his sing-songy thing. Uh, they'll bring it ninth, in Ninth Circuit, and I'll lose in the Ninth Circuit, and it'll get to the Supreme Court, and maybe I'll get a fair shake. Well, yeah, look, bring it anywhere. Bring it in any court. This is a violation of the United States Constitution. Article 1 of the United States Constitution makes it very clear who is allowed to determine where money is spent in this government. And it is Congress. It is not the president. It is Congress. 
president has some ability to move money around within agencies and things like that. And there is an emergency statute. But the emergency statute is not for political emergencies. The president of the United States has asked Congress for this money for the past two years. And the Congress has said no. And if that is the case, which it is, declaring a national emergency to do that is a clear violation of the Constitution. And I'm sorry, the Constitution trumps any statute. It's the Supremacy Clause, America. That's also in the United States Constitution. So I think a couple things are going to happen right now. I think that the, I think that the United States uh, Supreme Court is going to get this sooner rather than later, and I hope they do. And I think you are going to be surprised at the margin in which the president is defeated there. It's not going to be 5-4 with Roberts joining with the liberal liberals. I, I think it could well be 9 nothing Because the precedent that this man has set is so extra-constitutional that it cannot be allowed to stand. And I think even conservatives on the Supreme Court who have said their entire life that they are strict constructionists of the United States Constitution will have a really hard time saying it's okay for the president to declare a national emergency simply because Congress said no to him. President would need to then have convinced Congress that this is an emergency. And he didn't do that. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. I am live on a snowy Wednesday night. A little abbreviated live, but I'll have the full show on the podcast later on tonight and tomorrow. 631-451-1039 is my number. Uh, you definitely want to get in on the calls tonight. I, I really want to hear from Trump supporters who have for the last 10 years said that they are uh, not in favor of activist judges, who are strict constructionists of the United States Constitution, who believe that uh, the Constitution should be, uh, should be executed as written by the founding fathers. Now, look, I am not a strict constructionist. Not at all. I, I don't think that we need to rely fully on the wisdom of men who thought it was okay that when you got sick that you had leeches try to bleed you out. Okay, I, 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 there's not a lot of wisdom there. Now, I'm not saying that they weren't enlightened and that they weren't brilliant. I saw Hamilton twice, okay? But I, I am saying that they were brilliant enough to understand they didn't know everything, and they left room for interpretation. They created a branch of government to interpret the Constitution called the courts. They've also uh, made it easy for the Constitution to be amended, and they gave a lot of authority to the states to create laws to be the incubators of democracy. But one thing they were pretty clear about, crystal clear, in a good way, was that budgets came out of Congress. Congress determined where the money was going to be going. Not the president, not one person, Congress. And it would originate in the House of Representatives spending bills. This is what the founders wrote, not their intent, they wrote it. This is not reading between the lines, America. This is in Article 1, Section 7. Read it. It is amazing to me that anybody could think that this is a good idea. So I want to hear from you. If you think this national emergency is warranted, if you think it's okay that we have a national emergency in this country, I want you to pick up the phone and give me a call at 631-451-1039 tonight. 
it is mind-boggling to me, mind-boggling how anyone can defend that. And, and, you know, I hear guys like Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham today, Mike, Lindsey Graham today, uh, you know, said, or yesterday said, oh, you know, the kids in Kansas who are losing their, the military children in Kentucky who are losing their, the funding to build a new school for them on the army base, they need the wall more than they need the school. How is that at all a good thing to, for anybody to say? That's just not true. How do they need a wall in Kentucky? Are they being overrun by Mexicans with no shoes in Kentucky? I find that hard to believe. 631-451-1039 is my number. I'm going to go to the phones, and I'm going to go to Vinny. I don't know where Vinny's calling. Oh, you're still on with Vinny. Mike's still talking to Vinny. I'm not going to talk to Vinny yet. I'm gonna let my, oh, Vinny hung up. He didn't want to talk to me, Mike? No. Oh, he just wanted to say, uh, 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 I'm a so, Trump so guy. He's a Republican, and he's saying, uh, when God opens a, a door, you know, no man or no one can be judged or something like that. I don't know. I didn't get the full gist of it. So what is he saying? That like Trump is beyond being judged? No, no, no. He's like that Trump should be judged or something. Like that. He should be judged. Yeah. Uh, he has no idea. I don't know what he what he meant by that. Yeah, me neither. I, I, I don't. You know, here's the problem. And by the way, I'll be on Tucker Carlson on Friday night, Mike, and uh, I'll be back on some other shows next week. I don't. I don't even know my schedule. I'm I'm like lost this week. I don't even know what day it is. This is what happens when there's a holiday on Monday. I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what day it is. It really feels like Tuesday. It feels it? like. Friday to me for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe because it's snowing and I'm buying a new car. I, I, I don't know. I'll talk about that later. I don't want to get into it right yeah. now. <laughs> so, but it's a, it's a, it's a, look. I agree with what Mick Mulvaney said in 2016. The wall is a simple solution to a complicated prob- problem. It's a talking point is basically what he said. We have a major immigration problem in this country. We have a market that's driving people here. We have humanitarian crises going on to, in countries to the south of our border, whether it be drugs or gangs or poverty, driving people to America. But most importantly, we have opportunity for these people to come here and work. And I know that the meme on the right is that they come here and they leech on the system. That is not true. Look around you, America. Go look who's working in the kitchen at the restaurant you're eating at. Go scrape beneath the surface just a little bit and you'll find the hardest working people you've ever met in your life who are coming to this country for a better life. And the president knows full well this because the president employed these people in his golf resorts, in his hotels for the last 40 years, up until a couple of weeks ago in some cases, America. He knows how hardworking these people are. They're not coming here to get on welfare. In fact, how could they get on welfare? No, they're coming here to work. And they're coming here because there's a market force driving them here. And rather than us go back and forth about a wall or an invasion or other nonsense like that, why don't we sit down and have a real debate about our immigration situation in this country? Where are we on that? How are we not 
ready to have that conversation. I mean, this is the thing that I think, you know, it bothers me the most. We know, we know why people come here. The president knows why people come here. Republicans know why people come here. And they know that they work hard when they get here. But they have decided to tie themselves to the xenophobic minority in this country, which is what their party has become, a xenophobic minority of people who believe that, you know, anybody getting a leg up is a leg down for white working class Americans. Well, that is just not true. It is not a zero-sum game, America. There is room for prosperity for all of us. And as I said before, and I'll say it again and again and again and again and again. It is that competition. It is that desire to succeed that drives people here and keeps our country on top. When we lose that edge that immigration has granted us in this country, we will lose the edge forever. They will go somewhere else. This is a global economy, America. We're competing for these people. We're competing for people from foreign countries who want to come here, who want to start businesses small and at first and maybe large later. When they start going to Canada or when they stop coming here altogether or stay someplace else, we lose that edge. It's generation after generation after generation after generation coming here, trying to get ahead that has kept our, com- our, our economy and our nation humming. But the president doesn't want to have that conversation because he doesn't, he has a base that is unwilling to hear a reason. They think that these people coming here threatens them and it does threaten them. He's right to some extent. If they're not willing to work, if they're not willing to get up off the couch, if they're not willing to improve or change their skill set to adapt to a changing economy, yeah, they should worry. Anybody should worry about that. No, 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 America. You don't get to just stay static in the modern economy. You've got to be willing to adapt. And if there's somebody coming up behind you, whether they be an immigrant or a younger person, They're going to take your place, and you are going to fall behind. But Trump tells you that, no, I'll protect you by building a wall. That's not going to protect you, white working class voters who think that this is a good thing. Mostly men, by the way, mostly men. White working class men who are so afraid of a child with no shoes walking through the desert to get here that they want to build a wall costing $25 billion at least to stop them. That's fear. That is fear. You one of those people that are afraid? Call me. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. I'm live. I got Amy Holmes joining me uh, at the top of the hour. Amy Holmes. You know Amy? She's been on the show a lot. She's on TV a lot. She's written some books. She writes some columns. She used to work for Bill Frist in the United States Senate. She's a good friend of mine. Uh, She's joining me at the top of the hour. 631-451-1039. I'll be on Tucker Carlson on Friday night. I'll be on Laura Ingram next week at some point. I might be on McAllen next week at some point. I don't know. But I'll definitely be on Ingram, and I'll definitely be on Tucker. And I should be going back on the judge, 
probably next weekend. 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to be part of this national conversation. Pick up the phone and give me a call. 631-451-1039. But that's my feeling. I do think that if you are static in this economy, you should be afraid. You will be passed up. You will be passed over if you are static. You have to ever change. You have to change with the tide. You can't just sit still. All right, let me go to the phone. 631-451-1039. Let me go to Vinny in St. James. Vinny, how you doing, man? Vinny. Vinny, oh, you're on the air. Steve. Oh, it's Steve. Hey, my bad. How are you? Oh, it's Steve. Mike. Mike has Vinny hi. on the brain. How you doing, man? Good, good. Out here in the snow, working. Well, remember, working if you're on. shoveling, take breaks, okay? That's all I have to say. <laughs> I actually got to see the cardiologist tomorrow. All right. Well, then don't shovel. <laughs> so I, res- I, respect the, I respect the heart. But listen, I, I just said FYI, I, I employ hundreds of, I, I, I'm not going to tell you who I am, but uh, go into details. But I, I employ a lot of Spanish people, a lot of immigrants. Yeah. I think you're missing the one point as far as on the left, and I'm one of those white guys you're talking about. We are a, a country of laws, and I have one issue with everything you're saying. This one, I agree with everything you're saying except one thing. Uh, the average person wants someone who lives here to be law-abiding. So, I agree. That's why. Yeah. Look, so, I, that you're Vinny, missing Vinny, that that's why. That's why we have to have a realistic system of immigration in this country. We can't just like you know rely on what we've had. The, well, the, I agree, but you keep you keep leaving out the one word, which is a three letter word, which is law. So I mean, we're we're I, we're, I said we the, have a constitution, yeah, but and we're we're a country of laws. So I have I have I, know I keep wanting to call I keep wanting to call you, Vinny. I'm sorry, I'm rushing you, because, but Steve, I, got, I got a bunch Steve. of calls holding, and I want to get to them before the, my I have right. a three minute yeah, three minutes before sure. the break. Everybody waited until the last five minutes to call in, but I'll, I'll exactly. answer the question. I'm going to uh, say goodbye to you, but here's my thing. It's not that I don't. I, I want the president and the Congress to acknowledge the market and create laws that allow people to do it. Let me go to. Uh, I'm going to go to Carol. I don't want to go to Carol in Setauket because I think she called a couple times. Carol, how you doing? Hi, how you doing? I'm doing great. What's on your mind? My on my mind is that I'm being told that I'm xenophobic uh, because I don't want illegal immigrants in my country. I don't see that as a problem. You what? Uh, I don't see that as a problem of not wanting illegals in my country. Well, I, what is illegal? I mean, like, why don't, wouldn't you be happy if we fixed a system that, that actually identified I, the market and allowed people uh, to come here and gave them work visas so they could come here and, and get out of the shadows and, uh, you know, not be exploited? No, I don't. All right. But well, that's on you, Carol. 631-451-1039. Let me go to Steve in East Mauritius. Steve, you're on the air. Stevie. Uh-oh, maybe he's a different name too, Mike. <laughs> I think the first caller messed me up. I didn't delete the, the first oh, name. I, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, whoever call, Whoever's on the phone right now and not talking, just talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm Amy. Do you Amy, me? how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> You're That's listed as Steve name. and Mariches. <laughs> no, I'm 
I'm not a man. <laughs> well, you only got a minute, so what's on your mind? All right. No, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I just think that the kids coming in, you know, I hope, like, there's not all this sex trafficking. I hope they really, you know, nip that in the bud because, I agree. you know, there's a lot of ki- kids that come in without parents, and now they're being, you know, strewn somewhere else. I mean, I come from a family of immigrants. If we can do this the right way and get them jobs and get everybody to be profitable, like you said, and have this, we'll have a win-win, you know? I agree. I mean, look— yeah, we got to We got to address the real problem. Right. The real problem is not right. going to stop by a wall. The real problem is going to be is going to be addressed by changing our laws to properly let people come in because the market's driving them here and to address I the agree. problems. That's what I'm saying. Amy, thanks for your call. I'm sorry I called you. Steve. Thanks a lot. I'm sorry. No, I that's called all right. you. No problem. All right. Six, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. No, thank you. Six, three, one, four, five, one, one, oh, three, nine is my number. If you want to be part of the national conversation, I'm going to probably not take any more calls for a few minutes because I'm going to go to a break in about 90 seconds, 30 seconds, sorry. But uh, look, this is the thing. The wall is simple. Comprehensive immigration reform is hard. It's hard to explain. It's hard to get people behind. And it's hard to do. But that's what we need. We need leaders who are going to lead us in the right direction, come up with tough solutions, and implement them. If the president really wants to make waves, he should ask for the 2013 bipartisan pass the Senate with multiple people from both sides bill, immigration reform bill of 2013. All right, 631-451-1039. I'll take your calls on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Chris Hodge Show, and I'll be right back. You can't ignore the truth forever, so listen up. The Chris Hahn Show. Hey. Yeah. Voice. Yeah. All right. I'm back. I'm live. I'm taking your calls at 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. 631-451-1039 is my number. A little later on, I've got Amy Holmes joining me to uh, discuss the week in news. Of course, she wants to talk about the guy from Empire who uh, probably, it looks like, faked his own assault. I'm going to remind her that I once called out Candace Owens for doing the same thing. Candace Owens, a popular conservative activist uh, who is unknown by anybody who's not into conservative politics. I'm sorry, Candace. Uh, and, and, and I don't know that she set this up or somebody else set it up, but it was clearly not a real protest. What gave it away to me was uh, the, you know, the story goes that she went to breakfast with uh, one of her colleagues, another conservative guy who I've debated a million times. I can't remember his name. I'm, I'm losing his name right now. He's not the most famous one of the two of them. She is because Kanye once tweeted about her. But uh, they went to breakfast. Somebody recognized her there. A, a, a progressive activist recognized her, instantly got a crowd of people there to protest her outside of the restaurant. And their chant, and I won't use the real words, Mike. I, I was giving Mike the, uh, the update. Their chant was one, two, three, F the bourgeoisie, four, five, six, 
F the bourgeoisie. Now, if you think you were so good at protesting that you can instantly get a crowd of protesters, wouldn't they have a better chant? Wouldn't it be like one, two, three, F the bourgeoisie, four, five, six, Candace Owens, something, something? Like, they would just repeat the same thing over and over again. And, and, and they were the most prep school-looking protesters I'd ever seen in my life. So, yeah, I don't believe that that was true. She then, you know, got me to, uh, you know, say maybe it was okay. I was on a radio show with her the next day because it became a big story when I called her out on national TV for it. Uh, it was in the Washington Post. It was in the Philadelphia Inquirer. It was all over the news. I, I went viral, that clip. Because I, I said to Laura Ingram, I go, I don't know, Laura, I think you're more famous than those two, and nobody protests you when you go out to breakfast, and you're conservative. Uh, I'm a progressive on, on conservative media, both radio and television, and nobody protests me when I go out to breakfast. In fact, when people recognize me, they ask me for my picture. I got recognized over the weekend when I was shopping for a car. I didn't buy the car from the guy who recognized me. I, I don't know if it would have been good or bad. He was nice. By the way, Mike, he recognized me not only from TV, but from this show. He listens to the, he might be listening right now. Hey, guy, what's hey going man. on, bud? Hey, guy, I won't say where you work or what your name is, but hey, thanks, but you were very nice. Asked me for my picture like almost everybody who meets me does. Was nice. Said I don't agree with you. He said, you drive me crazy. That's what he said. He goes, why do you hate Mark Levin so much? So he must be recognizing me from here because I don't hate Mark Levin on TV. I never get an opportunity to talk about Mark Levin on TV. But I talk about Mark Levin here all the time because I'm coming for your audience, Mark Levin, because you suck. <laughs> so I'm coming, baby. I'm coming. It's going to be my time slot in the next two years, Mark Levin. You watch. You're ever... Your rapidly aging and dying audience is not going to save you. I'm coming, and I'm bringing bigger numbers because conservatives want to fight with me and liberals want to listen to me. That's my plan. Sorry, I had to go on a tangent there. 631-451-1039. I guess I was announcing that Amy Holmes will be here at 9 o'clock to talk to me about politics, and she's going to try to steer me in another direction, and I've got, I've got ammo for it. I can't even remember that guy's name. Smolmit? Smolmit? I'm talking about it on my show, too, so I got to... Solman, right? Solman? Yeah, by the way, uh, don't forget the Mike B show is Sunday night, 7 o'clock. Boom. I think my show's on immediately following or immediately before it. It's on. I rerun on Sundays at some point, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, dogs I, I know. It's a lot of Mike B, though, on Sunday, then. If I'm on and you're here, you're there. Hey, back the to Mike back, B baby, block. back to back. It's the Mike B block. So, taking a sip of my uh, club soda because I am losing my voice talking to you, but... 631-451-1039 is my number. Yeah, immigration. Let me go back to it. Let me go back to the wall. Let me go back to the emergency declaration. Let me go back to the order. It is a complex issue. It is not going to be solved by building a wall. Why don't you ask the people of Jericho how well the wall worked for them? Why don't you ask the Chinese... How well a wall worked for them. Why don't you ask uh, Fort Sumter how well their walls held? Walls do not work, especially when there's an ocean on either side of it that people could just get in a boat and s or swim around it. 
Most drugs come through our ports of entry, and most people who are here undocumented overstayed their visas, came here on vacation, never went home. A wall's not going to stop that. Women and children walking through the desert barefoot to try to escape drug lords are seeking asylum, and they are showing up at ports of entry to seek asylum. The president saying it's a national emergency doesn't mean it's a national emergency. And the fact that he waited two and a half years to make that statement, the fact that he was able to think about it, I'll think about it, I'll work it over, proves it wasn't a national emergency. And in his own statement, he said, I didn't have to do it. I just wanted to get the wall built faster. So I hope Judge Justice Roberts... And Justice Alito and Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, all put there by Republicans, Thomas, all understand that this is nonsense. That the President of the United States has clearly violated Article 1, Section 7 of the United States Constitution. Read it! I don't, the debate is not about whether we need a wall, whether we need to stop immigration. The debate is about the Constitution. It's about Congress's role. It's about the president's role. It's not about the wall, and it's not about immigration. You could argue till you're blue in the face about the wall. The president asked Congress for the money for the wall, and Congress said no. President's job then, as he said over and over again, when Obama would write an executive order that was nowhere near as clear-cut a violation of the Constitution as this maniac, he would say, this guy's a failure. He can't get people in the room to make a deal. Make a deal, Mr. President. You're supposed to be this great deal maker. Go to Mexico and get the money for the wall like you promised. Or get Congress to agree with you. Trade something for it. I really think you could get comprehensive immigration reform. I really think that that's possible. Permanent status for DACA and DAMA. A path to citizenship for the millions of people living here illegally that have been here for many, many years and who are part of our culture now, part of our society, working in jobs, some of them working in jobs that you might want, most of them working in jobs you wouldn't want. You, there is a deal to be made, but we don't have a deal maker in the White House. We have a whiny, petulant child who is only concerned about 33% of this country. And I, I don't know. I think his, his action was dangerous. And I wanted to go to the Supreme Court right now. I wanted to go straight to the Supreme Court. Trial court, quick, right to the Supreme Court. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. If you want to be part of the national conversation, pick up the phone, give me a call. 631-451-1039 is my number. Let's talk about Mueller. So I don't know if I'm, I might be off next week. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Are we off next week, Mike? I, I can't remember. 
But the Mueller report is imminent. It appears, anyway. I guess people are saying that Rod Rosenstein announced he's leaving mid-March. That means the Mueller report's imminent because Rod Rosenstein said he wouldn't leave before the Mueller report. I don't know. There's a new attorney general, Bob Barr. Um, look, the president could have picked worse. We We're on Wednesday again. We're on Wednesday next week. Okay. But there is a... Uh, there is some something in the air that Mueller's near the end. Now, I don't know how it could be near the end when he just took all this evidence from Roger Stone and he probably wants to go through it. But the Mueller report is coming. And I, I want to prepare you for this report. And, and I, I say this on Channel 5 tonight. I pre-taped a segment for the news. I don't know if they're going to use this quote, but I think it's brilliant, so I'm going to say it again. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> I shouldn't say I think it's brilliant, Mike, right? Mike thought it was brilliant. Mike said that's a good quote. I liked it. You so liked it. I liked it. It's not going to be like the end of an episode of Columbo. Mueller's not going to tie together all the loose ends, and we're going to walk off into the sunset. That's not how it works. There might be questions left unanswered. Now, I could understand how from what came out over the last two years, you might not think that the president himself actually colluded with the Russians or directed collusion with the Russians. Now, I, for one, think he directed it. I don't know if he did it, but I think he directed it. But if you think that the Trump campaign was not working with the Russians after we, after... His campaign manager, Paul Manafort, has admitted in court that he was sharing intel with the Russians during the campaign. After Mike Flynn, now it turns out, not only was he working for Turkey, he was working for Saudi Arabia and trying to get them nukes. And Guys, there was a lot of colluding going on. Whether or not it went right to the president, I don't know if that's going to be proven. Everybody's hoping for a pardon. Nobody's giving up the president. But Manafort was colluding. Flynn was colluding. It appears that Roger Stone was working hand-in-hand with WikiLeaks. So where does that leave us? He's going to come out with a report that might point to Roger Stone's crimes, might point to Paul Manafort's crimes, Flynn's crimes. There are going to be some loose ends. It's not going to be the end of Columbo. It's not going to be the end of murder, she wrote. It's not going to be the end of, uh, let me get something a little bit more modern, Blue Bloods. It's not going to be like the end of the Marvelous Miss Maisel. There's going to be loose ends. There are going to be things that leave you thinking. There are going to be things that leave you wanting more. There may be answers, questions, excuse me, unanswered. But there's going to be a lot of answers. I don't expect it to be a slam dunk for anyone. But here's what I do expect. I expect the public to demand 
everything that is not national classified for strictly serious national security reasons. That means sources and methods in this case needs to be released to the public. Why? Because whatever's held back is going to be like the Kennedy assassination. It's going to fuel conspiracy theories for a hundred years. We need to know everything that Mueller knows as long as it is not subject a subject to a serious national security threat. And that should be determined by Congress. I think if Bill Barr holds that back and doesn't give us that information and we have members of Congress calling for its release, we're going to have a lot of issues here. One side will be saying one thing. The other side will be saying another thing. It'll be bad for America. It'll be bad. If the president is exonerated in this and some of the report is not released, it'll be bad for the president. If the evidence points to the president being directly involved in some way, shape, or form with these crimes and it's not released, that's bad for America. That's bad for the republic. So Bill Barr has a very difficult job. He is from the governing wing of the Republican Party. I will give him that. And he does seem, at least he says so, to have respect for the special counsel. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until I can't. But for his sake, that report needs to be released. I, mean, I, I, you know, look, Trump fan, if you're out there, call me and tell me what you think. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation tonight. I want to know, do, don't you want to see it? I mean, don't you want to see what's in it? The whole thing? I know I do. I want to see every single word. And whatever's left out, whatever's not shown us, will lead to more and more questions. It'll lead to weird conspiracy. Think of a whole new generation of Glenn Becks. Glenn Becks on the left and the right coming out of this if it's not released, if we don't hear it. It's a huge, huge, huge mistake to let this report go unread by America for, you know, if you think you're protecting the president by this, you're not. Because if that report is not revealed and it is seen that Bill Barr is blocking its release, it will be horrible for the president. Because Americans can then make up their mind for themselves and they will make up their mind based on their preconceived motion. And right now the president is not that popular. He will not become more popular. And I'm sure he'll say no collusion, whatever the report says. No, no collusion. I said no collusion. There's never been any collusion. Of course, the White House has now been saying the president has not colluded, not his campaign. But don't we have to judge this guy by the people he hired? He hired Mike Flynn, who clearly had problems. I mean, the court wouldn't accept the plea deal. They said, you may have committed treason. And you're getting three months in prison.
I mean, what's that? I, could you imagine, just imagine for a minute, that Hillary Clinton was president and her national security advisor was on trial for treason, had cut a deal, pled guilty, and the judge said, this is too lenient. You may have committed treason. You sold out your country. Could you imagine? Where would Sean Hannity be on a scale of one to ten? I don't know, a million? Be calling for her head. That's the person the president picked to advise him on the most sensitive things this nation engages in. And a judge said, reading this report, it appears you sold out your country. That's the report that was agreed to by him for sentencing, for a plea deal. Treason? I, I don't know. I mean, Mark Levin. I don't know where Mark Levin would be on this if it was Hillary Clinton. Mark Levin would be, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, she needs to resign immediately. And then she should be tried to the full extent of the law. That would be Mark Levin. If this was Hillary Clinton. Can you imagine it was Barack? Let's say Barack Obama's national security advisor had a cup of coffee with uh, somebody who was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. It would be all Glenn Beck talked about. It would be all Alex Jones talked about. And Sean Hannity would have a heart attack. I know Sean. I like Sean. I don't want him to have a heart attack. But he would. He would blow a gasket. It would, all, it would be all he led with on his TV show for, the, for a year. It would be all he talked about on, for three hours on his pre-taped radio show. No. But this guy, you know, he's got a national security advisor and his campaign chairman clearly sharing information with the Russians. Admitted to to sharing information with the Russians. And, And nothing? Crickets? Yeah, you want to read the report. I want to read the report. Oh, God, I hope we get to read the report. All right, Amy Holmes is going to join me on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show. I'll be right back. The Chris Hahn Show. I am back and I am live And I'm going to talk to my good friend Amy Holmes I love this song, Mike It's like one of my favorite songs And uh, I just saw for the probably hundredth time over the weekend Pulp Fiction I like this song because it reminds me of Mr. Wolf Which I like to think I'm Mr. Wolf sometimes You know, I talk fast, I think fast If you want to live, you'll, you'll act fast So pretty pleased with sugar on top Clean the effing car <laughs> One of my favorite lines in all of movies uh, joining me right now, good friend of mine, at Real Amy M. Holmes on Twitter. You see her all over television. You read her columns. Uh, she is on this show often. She's a very good friend of mine. We disagree on a lot of things, but Amy is a clear-headed, clear-thinking conservative. Amy, how you doing? 
Great, great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for coming back. I, I, I appreciate you coming back time and again. And uh, love, love, uh, hearing, love, it. love hearing your point of view. Uh, and, and as I tell my audience all the time, you got to get with people who you disagree with because uh, that's what makes for fun. And that also makes for a good debate. And it also makes for this country because we don't all disagree. We don't all agree all the time, but we don't shoot each other in the streets either. So that's a great thing. Yes. So, Amy, I, I, I'm going to start with this emergency declaration. You and I both worked in the United States Senate. And uh, we both understand the Constitution and Article One. And the president asked Congress for the money for this wall, and Congress said no. So where well, they gave him a little bit. They gave him. They gave him a little bit. They didn't give him as much as he wanted, but they gave him some. Mm-hmm. But they didn't say, you know, here's all the money you want. Go at it. Mm-hmm. Correct. So what do you what do you make of this? I mean, I, I've been calling it an end run around the Constitution. I think when it gets to the Supreme Court, it is going to be rejected. I think the Supreme Court is going to unanim- not unanimously, but maybe close to unanimously, say that the president overreached here. Well, Chris, you know, I I can't speak to the legality or the legal issues about it. Uh, you know, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, he was trying to talk uh, President Trump away from doing this. But once President Trump did it, he said he has the legal authority. Uh, well, you know, he's a, a sheep. I mean, he Mitch McConnell. matter, but Mitch, on, as a policy matter, I don't like it. Yeah, it's bad policy, like right? It. Right. I didn't like it when President Obama very brazenly said, I've got a phone and a pen, and I'm going to get it done. If Congress isn't going to do what I want to do, I'm going to use my executive authority. That is not how a republic works. I agree. And I, quite frankly, spoke out against executive overreaches under Obama, under Bush, under Clinton, under the first Bush. Mm -hmm. It is an overreach for sure. Mitch McConnell is just being a sheep because Mitch McConnell is up for election this year, doesn't want the president getting involved in a primary in his state. So Mitch McConnell, who everybody says, oh, he's such an institutionalist, you know, just turned his back on the institution for his own brazen reelection purposes. And I keep saying this, and I've said this over and over again. If you are not in Congress to uphold the power of a congressman, what are you doing in Congress? Well, and there are plenty of Republicans who have uh, expressed their uh, either outright disapproval or unease. You have Senator Ron Johnson, who said, yeah, I'm not sure about this. I got to right. look at this. You have Congressman uh, Heard, Republican in Texas, who came out and said, I oppose it. This is not the way it should be done. So just for your listeners to know a little bit more, the White House and their supporters argue that uh, since 1979, there have been 58 national emergencies called by presidents, including President Obama, etc. And 31 of those national emergencies are still in operation in Congress doesn't really look that closely. They're like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Right. Okay. So, Chris, I looked at that list. All of them have to do with foreign policy issues. So stopping payments to Iran. Sanctions. Stopping payments to Cuba. Right. Things like that. Nothing has to do with domestic policy. Uh, So Nothing has to do with... With, with something Congress has specifically rejected the day before, either. Right. So I look at this as just as President Obama's phone and a pen was a bad precedent and has led to this, this is a bad precedent, and what is it going to lead to is the future. Now, that to me, that's the legislative issue. That's the, the issue having to do with how does democracy work? How does voting right. legislation work? 
you know, the, the executive versus the legislature. But there is a separate issue of is there a national crisis? Well, I'm not here. I'm not, I am, I'm not debating that. I think it's a crisis. I, I, I think, think that there is a, I think there's a humanitarian crisis at our border. Yes, I don't think there's a national is. emergency, especially when you give in the fact that border crossings are at their lowest point since 1971, year to year. So is this a national emergency in the way that we think of 9-11 or, you know, uh, World War Two or any of those things? No. no. Even the list of the 58 to 58 national emergencies, they're, they're pretty, uh, you know, esoteric. They're, they're, they're sort of in the weeds that people wouldn't think, like, is it a national emergency to stop with payments to Cuba? No, but the president is using his executive authority to address that. But it has to, again, it has to do with the commander-in-chief exercising his authority when it comes to foreign policy, which I think there is a larger sort of, you know, so, clearly there's sort of a... So what happened here, though, what is different from the multiple national emergencies, which, by the way, overused for sure, we all agree on that, is that Congress specifically said no specifically on this issue, said, you can't have that much money, Mr. President. We'll give you this much money, which is what Article One, Section 7 of the United States Constitution gives Congress the explicit power to do. So that's right. why yeah, I think right. even, because like I said, I said on TV yeah. that night, I was on Tucker last Friday night, right after this happened, and I said, I don't care what circuit this is brought in. I don't care what courthouse this walks into. Any, any judge who's read the Constitution and I, I assume they all have, has to vote that the president overstepped his authority here. They have to. Well, then the president, in his Rose Garden address, uh, sort of in classic, you know, just sort of quintessential uh, President Trump, he stepped on his own message when he said, I didn't have to do it yeah, this way. I didn't have I mean, to do I, it. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, his advisors must be pulling out their hair. Oh my god! So like, this is so classic Trump that he says, you know, this has, this is what I'm doing. Well, actually, there's some other reasons, but this right. is like the best one. Right, right. They all they all tried to say what he thought, what he might have said, what he should have said. No, right. this is what he yeah. said. He's the president. Now, look, Chris, His words think, matter. Right. Now look, Chris. I think that this whole debate over the, the funding for the border wall. I think the, the Democrats. That they were just doing this to, you know, put their thumb in the president's eye to try to deny him a win on a campaign promise. When Nancy Pelosi said that walls are immoral, that was idiotic. Okay, the same, you know, Nancy Pelosi, the same Democrats had already voted for funding for 700 miles that we already have. So this whole idea, oh, walls are not effective. Well, we have you know, if you know the president of the United States, the president of the United States, the president of the United States had a Republican-controlled House and a Republican-controlled Senate for the first two years, and they didn't take it up. And, no, and had that, they taken it up, it probably would have failed. So you know, I to blame Democrats for them not funding it is kind of ridiculous. Because you know what? Let here's the thing. The wall, I get it. There are some places where you might need it. You might want a wall. What'd you say? I said, look, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to the tit for tat politics. Yeah, it was a mistake for the Republicans not to do it when they had control of the you know house. Right. And I, uh, when 
two years ago when President was was first inaugurated and Paul Ryan is Speaker of the House. I thought it was a total mistake for them to do Obamacare first. I argued on Fox over and over. They needed to do infrastructure. They needed to do something that was bipartisan, that gets political bonds, yep. that builds political capital. Get some people then to support you, you that don't support you already. Right. Then you use that political capital to tackle this big contentious thing that is Obamacare. But Paul Ryan argued we need to do Obamacare because we will have the tax savings to then do the tax test. He had this whole little strategy lined up, like it was going to be like dominoes. Yep. And I argued, you're not going to get the tax savings because it's not going to happen. So yeah. what are we talking about? Right. Here? The Republicans totally, you know, they totally whiffed it on this whole issue. But now Democrats had an opportunity. They had an opportunity to do something that could have been bipartisan, that could, that on its face made it, was perfectly reasonable. What? Give money for a wall? 700 miles. No. 700 miles have already been built, okay? We, our Border Patrol has said that this is part of a strategy for them to be able to secure our border. I did, I thought this whole controversy was completely made up. The president was given... $25 $25 million for the wall by Schumer two years ago. And then he decided, nah, I can't do that because, it, you know, there was some DACA situation in there. My base will call it amnesty. I'm not going to do it. Walked away from it. By the way, I'm talking to Amy Holmes at Amy D. Holmes, excuse me, Amy M. Holmes on Twitter. Real Amy M. Holmes on Twitter. Sorry. Real Amy on Holmes that's on Twitter. Give me, so listen, you know, uh, you, we can look back and say that was a mistake for President uh, Trump to walk away from that deal. It certainly looks like it in hindsight. But I'm glad you brought up DACA because something that hasn't been pointed out was President Trump came back this time around, this go around, and said he was willing to compromise on DACA. But Democrats dug in their heels, and instead they wanted to have, you know, the sort of the spender on their cap that they were able to obstruct the president, not give him what he wants. And so they didn't do DACA. Well, you know, here's the thing we about this. We didn't get a compromise Here's the thing that. about this president. First of all, why would they believe him on DACA? They had a deal on DACA the last time, and then he walked away from it. But more importantly, if he really wants a deal, you know, he has an opportunity to make a broad, sweeping deal with the Democrats on DACA, on comprehensive immigration reform. He'd get it done. It would get through the Senate. It would easily pass the House. Wait a minute, Chris. No, Chris, we already know when it comes to comprehensive immigration reform. Believe me, I wrote speech after speech about it from Bill Frist when he was majority leader. And you would think that we were getting close, and then it would get blown up by the other side. I have come to believe that comprehensive immigration reform is not going to happen. The it bill, has to be done piece by piece. The bill that passed the Senate in 2013, which was very comprehensive, would have passed the House, and by the way, included $40 million for border security over 10 years, would have passed the House if it was brought up to the House this year. So the president could just ask the Senate, he could, he could, he could put Chuck in a, in a tight spot, And he could put Nancy in a tight spot by saying, send me that bill from 2013, which was a bipartisan bill. Send me the bill from 2013 and I will sign it. That would have been a major statement and it would have put a lot of pressure on Chuck and Nancy. What I'm telling you is from what we've seen year after year when it comes to comprehensive immigration reform, it always looks like there can be a bipartisan deal, the gang of eight, this, that, and the next thing. But when rubber hits the road, there's always an obstacle. I think the comprehensive immigration reform needs to be done piece by piece. Start with border security, which would have included, that should include 
you know, the wall where it's needed, uh, where our, even our border chiefs, border patrol chiefs say that they, uh, you know, that they want this as a part of their strategy for border yeah. security. All right. Piece by piece, then you'll get some. Well, let's Conference see what happens. I, I think, I think, you, I don't, I think I don't, you get that bill. I think you get the 2013 bill if you ask for it. Okay. I'm talking to Amy okay. Holmes. She is a Republican. Hold on. I got, I got to plug you. I got to, I got to tell people who I'm talking to. And I got to remind them, this is the Chris <laughs> Hahn show. You can follow me on Twitter at Christopher Hahn. Watch me on Tucker Carlson on Friday night. I'll be there. I'll be on uh, a bunch of other shows on Fox News uh, next week and over the weekend. Check me out at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. Don't forget to download the podcast, the Chris Hahn Show podcast. Uh, it'll be up uh, later tonight, early tomorrow. Uh, and uh, never miss a minute of the Chris Hahn Show. Uh, don't forget. Uh, Amy. And let's, tweet me at and tweet, Real Amy M. Holmes. There you go. Real Amy M. Holmes on Twitter. You don't want to miss her Twitter feed. She's got some interesting things to say. All right, Amy. I know you want yes. to. We, we only got like seven minutes left, and we got to talk about two other things. Let's briefly okay. talk about the Mueller report, which, you know, it seems like today there's a frenzy of activity that people think it's coming out in the next week or so. Uh, yeah. I, I, for one, am not 100% sure on that, but I will be talking about it at 10 o'clock on Channel 5. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, uh, but what do you think? Well, I don't know about the timing of it, of when it's going to come out. Uh, nobody knows except for Robert Mueller and his team. Uh, what I am concerned about is that it still might be inconclusive yes. because it's private. Right. Now, I understand the reasoning for this, which is if he's not pursuing you know, sort of criminal indictments and so forth, then you don't go out and reveal all this information and say, yeah, but we're stepping away from it. Comey made a mistake when he did this with Hillary Clinton and her email server. Right. And I understand the reasoning, the legality, that you don't sort of dangle accusations that you're not going to pursue. Well, you know, Mueller has basically indicated... for the sake of America, for the sake of two years that we've been dragged through this nonsense, just lay it all out there. I agree. And I've been saying all night, I've been saying all night, this is not going to be like the end of an episode of Columbo. We are not going to get all the loose ends tied together. They're going to be, yeah, right. It's not the end of Law and Order where Sam Waterston makes his case in court. That's not going to happen here. There's going to be a lot to open to interpretation. And I think people are going to be disappointed on both the left and the right. And more so, it'll be worse. And I think we both agree on this. It'll be worse the less of it we see. And here's the other problem to this, this, Chris, that Mueller will uh, submit his report to uh, the Department of Justice, to the Attorney General. That's a part of, you know, the the law, his responsibility. And then it's up to the Attorney General to decide, do I release a summary of this? Right. Here's my problem. Well, I mean, you know, either way, hopefully the president and Republicans, uh, they have their lawyers lined up, ready to pour through it, ready to go. If this thing isn't transparent, we're going to have two more years of drip, drip, drip. Right. Who knows what? Who's right. Lying, Conspiracy who's theories lying all over there. the map. People making stuff oh, up. God. Right. And I got to tell you, this Adam Schiff character, hey. I've lost all faith in him. He seems to be a big fat liar. You never but- cease to amaze me how you could just slam a progressive or a liberal or a Democrat at every turn. You always find a way. I'm just saying. We're agreeing. We're having fun. And then you remind me. (laughs) The House Intelligence, you know, he's now chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. And over the last two years, 
he's come out publicly and said, oh, yes, there is evidence connecting the dots, but I can't say what it is. And no one else seems to, you know, no one else on the Intelligence Committee seems to have the same confidence in this. My problem is, is if this report is, you know, is a secret, then you're just going to have more of that. I agree. And we don't need more. It of that. can't be we a secret. It cannot be Please. a secret. It's got to be seen. All right, Amy. I got about two and a half minutes, and I know you want to yes. talk about Jesse Smallman. And, and I'll just I, I will lead by saying I was suspicious of this the moment I heard about it because you and I mm-hmm. both know we've both been on TV a long time for years, 10 years, nobody knows who we are, particularly people who don't watch the shows we're on. And he's on a very particular show. I don't think there's a lot of, you know, um, you know, MAGA hat wearing good old boys watching Empire. I mean, correct right. me if I'm wrong. But uh, well, I, saw, I saw a very funny YouTube video. Um, and by the way, this is something that uh, has not been very widely reported, that a lot, there was a lot of skepticism in the black community, in, black, in, in Chicago. Yep. You watch these YouTube videos of black commentators, they were like, I don't buy it, this is fishy. And this one YouTuber, he was so funny, he was like, do you really think that downtown Chicago is MAGA country? Yeah. And what do, you think? do you think in downtown Chicago, 2 a.m., in the coldest day of the year, that there was some guy who was like, hey, Billy Bob, Right. Go out. Exactly. Two o'clock in the morning, they just happened to be ready for this guy when he happened out of his apartment. They recognized him like when he's not made up in his character's outfit. He's just going out in sweats. It's like that's I I had the same thing with Candace Owen and, and Charlie Kirk. I really feel that they were fraudulently, you know, putting out there that they were protesting. Like, you know, the protesters didn't even have a good chant, Amy. So Right. Now I will say I have been recognized. So have I over the years. But even people who disagree with me will say, oh, you're that girl. Right. You're Amy Holmes. You're that girl. Right. Girl, you know, I don't agree with you, but I always appreciate what you have to say. You and I have similar stories. We both Mm -hmm. go on, on shows that people don't necessarily agree with us that watch us on it. And we have the same experience. People come up to me and say, oh, Chris Hahn, I've seen you on Tucker. Uh, I love seeing you on Tucker. You drive me crazy, but can I have a picture with you? (laughs) You know, it's like the same thing. It doesn't happen. By the way, it doesn't happen that often. When it does, it's very surprising. Here is is my concern with the Jesse Smollett. Quickly, because I'm running out of time. It is concerning to me that he could have potentially, if it hadn't been the coldest day of the year, he could have potentially set off race riots, protests, People, you know, really setting Americans against each other over this phony hoax with a new yeah, and the bleep people, and the look, We don't need this. And, and by the way, and, 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 we're, and the jury's still out whether or not it's a hoax. I, I tend to think it was. But if it was, he's got some explaining to do and some apologizing. Amy, 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 you know, I love you. I'm out of time you, with you. You're the All best. Right. Don't forget to follow her. spent 20 minutes agreeing? <laughs> most of it. Most of it. You got some jabs yeah. in there. Don't forget <laughs> to follow Amy on Twitter at RealAmyMHolmes on Twitter. She's great. She's a good friend of mine, friend of the show. Really appreciate you joining me. All right. I'll be right back. Keep it where it's at. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show, and I'll be right back. Driving conservatives crazy since the day he was born. The Chris Hahn Show. 
right, we're back. I'm not live now. I'm, I'm actually on tape because uh, I'm bumped by the Islanders. They're having a great season. They're going to play their first round of the playoffs uh, at the Coliseum. I'm pretty psyched about that. I'm going to try to get to a game. Uh, but I'm back. Last night of the BMW, baby. It's done. Sold it. Gone. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I didn't get what I wanted for it, Never but did. I... I'm a little, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little surprised. I got more money for my last car, uh-huh. uh, which had 150,000 miles on it, and this car, only, you know, has less miles. It's in great shape, and I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't get a buyer. I, I got a buyer, but like, you know, at a very low offer. So what are you gonna do? You don't uh, trade in when you when you do that stuff. No, because I I buy my cars outright and I drive them into the ground. And if I would have tried to trade it in, I would have got like two thousand less than All I right. even got now. Right. They would have given me like five. You know, they would have given me five thousand. I got like seventy five hundred for it. So All right, man. got a new car. I'm getting a hybrid. Finally, right. I'm joining the hybrid revolution. I'm getting a, it's not a it's not a chintzy hybrid. I'm getting a Lexus ES three hundred hybrid. It's it's pretty. It's pretty sweet, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is. It's a nice car. <laughs> it's got everything. It's got everything. But I will be doing my part. I will be doing my part for the environment starting. And not only that, I could take it in the HOV lane. Oh, by yourself, right? By myself, Clean which is a, a major benefit for me. I work in Nassau County most of the time and, yeah. or in the city or Manhattan. So getting yourself in that HOV lane is a huge, huge benefit. So I'm pretty excited about that. But you know what? This was a fun car. I think I like this car more than I like the Camaro I had when I was in high school. And anybody listening to me right now who might have known me in high school knew how much I loved that Camaro. I mean, that Camaro was my baby. But, uh, yeah, cleaned it out today, giving it up tomorrow. Took R2-D2 out of the glove box where I keep R2, I, in the center console glove box. I've, uh, anybody who knows you knows I've had an R2-D2 in my car <laughs> since I was 16. But, yeah, God bless America. But talking about moving on, uh, let's talk about these uh, these uh, 2020 Democratic candidates. Uh, Bernie Sanders got into the race yesterday, and I think I'd be remiss if I didn't have a conversation about Bernie. I was on Fox yesterday. I don't know if it was yesterday, but I don't know what day it is. I was on Fox, I think yesterday, debating uh, Trump's communications director on his campaign, his campaign communications director, um, about... Uh, about Trump and 2020 election and Bernie getting in. And look, I am not an anti-Bernie guy and I'm surely not a pro-Bernie guy. I was, I was uh, you know, a little dismayed by the way Bernie reacted in 2016. The election was over. He didn't get out, even though he wasn't, he didn't have a clear path to victory. He kept on fighting, which I guess is fine. I mean, you've been in politics your whole life and you're finally getting roars of crowds, which he never really had his entire career, it's kind of hard to get somebody off the stage. I mean, ask the Rolling Stones. I mean, they ain't going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, I, right, Mike? I mean, you're a music guy. They ain't going nowhere. Yeah, I mean, Ever. they're 90, and they probably should be retired and well, living. I'm going to die on stage back. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely will. Without, Without a doubt. I mean, you know, I mean, Mick, you know, moves like Jagger aren't exactly the same nowadays as they were, you know, in the 1980s or 70s. But I get it. I get that Bernie, you know, had a long political career of consistency. He was a consistent, ultra-progressive, democratic socialist, if you will. And here he was in the twilight of his career. He makes this long shot run for the presidency. He gets supported by a lot of young people who liked what he had to say. And he stayed in. 
Now, the problem I have with Bernie is that Bernie didn't get out. And even when he did get out and endorsed Hillary, he didn't do enough to unite his movement behind Hillary so that we didn't have Donald Trump. And I will hold that against Bernie forever uh, because I think, you know, in part, uh, it's not all his fault. Campaigns matter. Hillary was a bad candidate. She ran a bad campaign. It's not all his fault. But he does deserve some of the blame for Democrats who put a purity test on Hillary Clinton, not getting behind her and allowing Trump to ascend to the presidency. And here we are with the imperial presidency that this president has uh, bestowed on us. So uh, here we are in 2020, leading up to 2020, and he's getting into the race. And there are a lot of candidates that have the same ideas as Bernie Sanders. You know, Kamala Harris... Elizabeth Warren, particularly, uh, you know, and, and many other Democrats have adopted Bernie's Medicare for all, uh, college tuition uh, for all kind of posture. Uh, they're this, this, this posture. Now, the Bernie bros are out there. They're on Twitter already. They've been knocking everybody who gets into the race. They, they knock Beto O'Rourke for taking oil money. Beto O'Rourke was a congressman from Texas. Most people who work in Texas work in the oil industry. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's taking big oil money. But it's okay because he does represent Texas in the Congress, or he did until he uh, retired to run for uh, the U.S. Senate. So uh, they will attack every Democrat. They They attack Cory Brooker for taking money from people who worked on Wall Street. Cory Booker represented New Jersey. A lot of people who work on Wall Street live in New Jersey. It's okay to take money from your constituents. Doesn't necessarily make you a pawn of Wall Street. And I think Cory Booker's career has shown that he is not a pawn to Wall Street. He is not a guy who's going to just kowtow to the corporate interest. I don't know how they're going to attack Elizabeth Warren. I think Elizabeth Warren's Bernie but with more substance. And I know, you know, we're hearing all this nonsense about, you know, oh, she said she was a Native American, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. I don't think that matters to Democrats or independents who want to get rid of Donald Trump. What she was, though, or what she is, is a consistent progressive who believes a lot of the same things that Bernie believes in, but also has the experience of creating an agency that actually started the job of protecting consumers, the Consumer Protection Bureau. She created that. That would not exist but for Elizabeth Warren. And she would not be in the Senate and would not be running for the presidency had the Republicans, who were diametrically opposed to the creation of that agency, supported her ascension to that role, which, was, which, which needed Senate confirmation. She, they did not support her. She was not appointed. She came back to Massachusetts and ran for the Senate, and now she's a senator, and she's doing a great job in the Senate. And and I think she's one of the smartest people in this race right now. I don't know that she's electable. I don't know that she's going to be the nominee. But if you compare her to Bernie, uh, it's a tougher fight. Bernie's not running against Hillary Clinton this time. And I know the Bernie bros are going to want to try to paint every Democrat in the race as Hillary, Uh, a you know, a corporatist, which I, I don't know how you get that from her. I know she took a lot of corporate money over the years. I know she worked with corporations over the years, but Hillary Clinton, it was far from a corporatist. She was a person who was a moderate, more moderate than Bernie, but uh, had always pushed for 
universal health care, affordable college tuition. She was a practical person. Bernie wants to throw out lollipops and candy canes to everybody and never really discuss the plan for how we get there. So I think that Bernie, as he goes forward, if he's going to actually be the Democratic nominee for president, Bernie needs to show us plans for everything he's going to do. And I think Democratic voters in the primaries are going to demand that of Bernie. He's obviously off to a fast start. Uh, he, you know, he's breaking fundraising records in his first day of the campaign. I, I, one of the things I talked about on Fox News last night was the president's fundraising. They were trying to point out that the president has raised more money at this point in his presidency than any other person in the history of this country. And that is true. But what they didn't want to talk about and what I brought up was the president has spent more money at this point in his presidency than any other person running for president. In fact, he raised $130 million. And he's only got $19 million on hand. So my question is, what is he spending that money on? Where's that money going? Bernie Sanders has been in the race for one day. He only started raising money yesterday. And he's already raised $7 million and much of that donations have been given to him in $27 chunks with a monthly recurring donation. Guys, that's a lot of money uh, that this guy has raised in one day. I think he'll catch up to the president's $19 million cash on hand, I don't know, next week. So the president did have a huge head start. And of course, Bernie has to go through a primary. And, and there are a lot of other Democrats who've raised a lot of money, Kamala Harris, uh, among them. But yeah, I, I think that it's going to be interesting. And the, the problem for Bernie is that there, it's, this is not going to be a mono mono race. It's not going to be Bernie or Hillary. It's going to be Bernie or Kamala or Cory Booker or Elizabeth Warren or Kirsten Gillibrand or Joe Biden or Amy Klobuchar or name it. Sherrod Brown, there's going to be about four or five. By the time we get to, let's say, September of this year, when we're really getting down to it, there's going to be four or five top-tier candidates that are going to emerge. And the problem for Bernie is, is that most of those top-tier candidates are going to occupy the same ideological space he occupies and quite frankly, I don't think Bernie's the kind of guy that excites you. Now, we have to ask the question, who is Bernie Sanders in history, right? Is he Barry Goldwater? Barry Goldwater in 1964 ran for president, lost, but he moved the Republican Party dramatically to the right, dramatically. And in 1968, the Republicans didn't nominate Barry Goldwater. He tried to get nominated. But they did not nominate Barry Goldwater. They nominated Richard Nixon instead. And Richard Nixon, who was not as far to the right as Barry Goldwater, went on to become president. But he was far to the right, but not as far to the right as Barry Goldwater. And then there's the case of Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan did the same thing. He moved the Republican Party to the right. He was called an extremist by centrist Republicans at the time. They didn't nominate him in 1976. He gave a thrilling speech at the 1976 Republican National Convention. 
And then the Democrats were really hoping he'd get nominated in 1980. But little did they know that he would win in 1980, that he would get nominated and he would win. So who is Bernie Sanders? Is he Barry Goldwater? Bernie Sanders has clearly moved the Democratic Party to the left. And that's a good thing. I think some of the ideas, I don't agree with everything he says and how he says he'd do it, but it is a good thing that we're having a debate on those grounds so that when we meet the Republicans in the middle, we haven't met them on the right, which is what Democrats have done for the last 30 years in this country, since Reagan. The Republicans have seized really the the, the right. They have moved the center to the right. And Democrats have not competed in that in the center. They, they've not met in the center. So by Bernie moving the Democrats to the left, it allows the country to meet in the middle. And I think that's a great thing. I really do think that's a great thing. So is he Ronald Reagan, who moved his party in such a direction and will now reap the rewards of being elected president or at least being the party nominee four years later? I don't think he is. I think he's Barry Goldwater. Barry Goldwater uh, was not the most charismatic guy. He was the guy they put up. They didn't think they'd win. Uh, And uh, he moved his party to the right, and then they were done with him. And they also thought that he might have been too far right. And Democrats, when asked, what do they want a presidential candidate, I think they almost all, to a person, say they want somebody who could beat Donald Trump. Now, I don't know if Bernie Sanders could beat Donald Trump. I don't know. Maybe, maybe anybody who comes out of the Democratic primary uh, is going to beat Donald Trump. His numbers have not rise, ro- risen above, I don't know, 40% uh, in the last, uh, in 43% in the last two years. I don't know how an incumbent president gets elected with his numbers in the low 40s, maybe even in the high 30s, which is where he was most of January when the government was shut down. So I don't know. He's got a field of candidates, many of whom have embraced all or most of what he ran on. Even the people going out there as moderates, like the Amy Klobuchar's or the Sherrod Browns of the world, moderate progressives, I would say, their policies are far to the left of where Democrats have started, even as recently as Obama. So, you know, I hear the Republicans, you know, you know, trolling out this bogeyman of socialism. Oh, socialism. Well, what we should really be worried about is kleptocracy and fascism, something the Republicans seem to turn a blind eye to when the president just decides to take power away from the Congress. I think that's worse than socialism, if you ask me. But, you know, Republicans, when you talk to, you, know, you talk to voters about things Democrats are proposing... They tend to like it. They tend to like having the rich pay more in taxes. They tend to like uh, having affordable health care that is available to all, universal health care even. They tend to like free college tuition for people, for working men and women in this country. They, They tend to like it. When you call it socialism, they don't like it. So I think that when the Republicans talk about socialism... The progressive response should always be to say, well, do you, do you, are you advocating taking away Social Security? Or what about the VA? I mean, Social Security has socialism in the name, 
for all of those of you listening to me, and I get a lot of email from people who are on Social Security calling me a socialist. I'm not on Social Security. I'm paying into Social Security. So you could have some security, and I believe in it, but Social Security is, in fact, socialism. The VA is, in fact, socialism. The Army is socialism. Everybody who's in the Army works for the government and is paid by the government. Everybody in the VA works for the government and is paid by the government. Everybody on Social Security is getting paid by the government. That's socialism. Roads? You like those? So I think Democrats need to not fall into the trap of saying, I am not a socialist. Because that's just nonsense anyway. Republicans are socialists. They're all, everybody in this country believes in programs that are somewhat socialist. And if you fall into the trap and you let the Republicans just throw that bogeyman out there, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. I hear some of the candidates out there doing that. And again, socialism and capitalism are not mutually exclusive. They both coexist. Are you mean to tell me there are no capitalists in a socialist country like Canada? And, 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 you know, Canada is not really a socialist country. It's a country that has a lot of social programs. And nobody's saying turn the United States into a socialist country where every industry is controlled by the state. What they're saying is the safety net needs to be controlled by the government or at least have some restrictions placed on it by the government, which is what Obamacare tried to do. Obamacare was not a government takeover of healthcare. It was putting some structure around private healthcare where there was a minimal level of care that needed to be provided with insurance and a requirement that all Americans have insurance. Why? Because hospitals were treating people in their emergency rooms who didn't have insurance, and then nobody was getting paid for it. Now you're required to have insurance. Personal responsibility. That's a capitalist concept. The program itself was capitalism. It stayed on to the, to the system that already exists. So yes, they're going to call... Whoever the Democrats nominate, whether it's Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden, a socialist. They're going to run ads with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in them saying, look at these socialists and Bernie Sanders. You know, they're going to do that. That's what they do. But don't let them define you. Move the debate back to the center. And the only way the Democrats can move the debate back to the center is if they start on the left. That's why, look, I'm not for everything in the Green New Deal, but it was a good place to start because it started the conversation on the left. So now when we have a compromise, the compromise will be in the center, not on the center right, which is where the Republicans want the compromise. They want to demonize everything that's progressive in this country. They want to demonize everything that tries to change this country too radically. They want to change, they want to demonize everything that limits their control over their base. Anyway, all right. Want to thank you all for listening, and I want to remind you all to seek the truth. Question everything, question everyone. 
especially me, but more importantly, anybody who's asking you for their vote. Seek the Truth America. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening, America. Wish our weekdays away, spend our weekends in bed. We drink ourselves stupid, we work ourselves dead, and all just because that's what mom and dad say. Chris Hahn Show podcast is recorded live at 103.9 FM in New York at Long Island News Radio. This podcast was sent to Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Joe Tex. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited LLC. I'm Peter Hargarden, the senior producer of podcasts here, and on behalf of everyone who worked on the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more about Chris and to find out about his upcoming television appearances, follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and at ChristopherHahn.com. To learn more about FOU, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUStudios.com. 